another world, another time in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. This is what I came for. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. I can feel something. Hear it almost. Don't move. Don't move? Where would I go? Quiet! Here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, and this is episode 42 for October 2017. So this month, we've got a very special guest for our Dark Crystal fans. This month, I have the author of the brand new Dark Crystal book that's uh, coming out, the Dark Crystal Ultimate Visual History, which is a big sort of book on the making of the Dark Crystal, and it goes in a lot of details about the filmmaking processes with the film, and it's something that I think a lot of fans have been really excited to check it out since it was first announced late last year. So, um, and as you know, introductions are in order. So my name is Philip Mitchell and I am the host of uh, Trial by Stone. And um, the introduction for, for my guest, Cassian Gaines, he is an author, uh, director, educator and popular culture historian. And has worked on uh, many books, including uh, Inside Pee Wee's Playhouse, Christmas Story, Behind the Scenes of a Holiday Classic, we Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy, which is like probably one of my favorite trilogies of all time, you know, <laughs> um, up there. But also, and of course, he uh, recently uh, wrote The Dark Crystal Ultimate Visual History. So today we'll chat to him a lot about the book. So I just want to say, Cassine Gaines, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a longtime listener. I'm really glad to be on. Thank you so much. First of all, I just wanted to say uh, a big thanks to um, to yourself and and also um, to Insight uh, Editions uh, for for the release of the book, um, which is which is great to see this you know new you know you know with the thirty fifth anniversary of the Dark Crystal, it's uh, been really exciting to see um, new Dark Crystal uh, uh, releases that are being coming out to this year and and even more so you know for for the future beyond with um, the new Netflix series in the works. Yeah, no, I and I appreciate your thanks. And it's funny because I'm such a fan of the Dark Crystal. It's it's interesting to sort of be a part of the 35th anniversary. <laughs> you know, have have this book come out. You know, I'm I'm just as excited as everyone else when new things are announced, and I'm just as in the dark about a lot of these things as everyone else. And so to have written something that is a part of celebrating the 35th anniversary of the Dark Crystal is just it's it's so cool to be able to to be a part of it like this. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely chat about the Dark Crystal Ultimate Visual History. But first of all, I actually just wanted to ask yourself, Cassine, how were you introduced to the Dark Crystal? How did you discover the Dark Crystal? You know, to be honest with you, I have a very strong memory of watching a special on Jim Henson. And I was obviously, a, as a kid, I was a very big fan of the Muppets, still am. Love Sesame Street. I, I still love Sesame Street. Follow That Bird is one of my like favorite films, <laughs> truly. And I, I was a, a big fan of Labyrinth. And for some reason, I hadn't seen The Dark Crystal. And I remember watching this special on Jim Henson and seeing these creatures and just going, this is truly unlike anything I've ever seen. You know, anything... You know, in the 80s, there were so many films that involved puppets, whether it was like Little Shop of Horrors or E.T. or, you know, obviously the Muppet films. Um, but the, the creatures in The Dark Crystal just seemed so incredibly unique that it really stuck with me. And I actually didn't see The Dark Crystal until I was an adult, believe it or not. I know a lot of people as a kid, but I, you know, it was I, I knew that it was close similarly to Labyrinth, at least in terms of it being a fantasy film and not including the Muppets. But it was something that really always intrigued me and something that I always wanted to learn more about. And so I was really sort of glad to explore the film in the way that I did over the course of the last 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's great. Sort of, yeah, how you were able to, yeah, to discover the dark crystal, you know, in in later time. I mean, I, I guess for myself, sort of grew up watching it on, on VHS. I, I believe my parents actually recorded it on TV with the VHS tapes. Uh, so that was sort of my sort of yeah very early memories of, of watching the dark crystal and just just totally out there. There's just um nothing like that film. And, and still is to this day. I mean, it's still, you know, being classed as sort of the only sort of a live action film without any humans. And I know like that's sort of one of those things, I think, reading with the ultimate visual history, that it was something that um, Gary Kurtz, who produced The Dark Crystal, who also worked with George Lucas on uh, Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, that that was sort of his initial concerns with The Dark Crystal, that the fact that there, there wasn't any human characters or that, that he thought that the Gelflings would be best portrayed by by human characters to sort of be able to be more relatable, I guess, to the audiences. Yeah, to me, that was one of the things that was really interesting about the book. And there's this great quote towards the end of the book. I think it's by Catherine Mullen. And she says, you know, that artists are always looking to sort of push the bounds of their medium and, and explore new things and tell interesting stories. And for Jim Henson, obviously puppetry and film, you know, were his mediums. And, you know, he was very adamant about all of, you know, it, look, The Dark Crystal in a lot of ways was, a, was an experiment of, you know, could we tell an epic fantasy adventure story without any human characters and still have them be characters that humans, you know, the audience could relate to and have empathy for? And, and I don't think there's a single person who isn't excited by Jen's journey and, you know, doesn't feel sad when, when Kira is killed, isn't relieved when, when she is, you know, brought back to life. There's just so, and, you know, isn't, uh, doesn't find Agra just funny in her, in her yeah. sort of witty, uh, witty exchanges and, and, and the way that she sort of sees the world and, you know, really philosophical uh, and really kind of honest and true in a way that, you know, the Muppets are true as well, but they're true in, in sort of a different sort of way. You know, there's a lot about the Dark Crystal that really rings true. And so the fact that it feels so honest and it's told with creatures, with puppets, it's really a testament to the payoff of Jim Henson's great experiment. I, I, I think I recalled, I think there was even one quote from, um, I think from a biography of um, that Brian J. Jones uh, wrote, Jim Henson, the biography, and I think someone quoted once is sort of they felt that at the time that the Dark Crystal was just sort of like a big R and D project for for Fraggle Rock, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, you know it certainly uh, you know Jim certainly pulled it off, and I think probably the big things I think that happened uh, with the Dark Crystal that sort of made it all happen was I think in some way it was part of um, with the Empire Strikes Back with uh, bringing Yoda to life. Yeah, when you look at that's a really pivotal moment in the creation of the Dark Crystal because number one, obviously, Jim Henson and Gary Kurtz, who you mentioned earlier, developed this working relationship which carried over into Gary producing the Dark Crystal. But also, obviously, Frank Oz gained, I don't want to say uh, skills, but certainly practice in performing a puppet that had to move more realistically. Prior to The Dark Crystal, a lot of Jim Henson's puppet work was sort of, you know, bouncy and fun. And, you know, even sort of his more darker characters like Yorick, who I who I just love, or, or the characters in The Land of Gorch are still sort of cartoony in a way. And, but on The Dark Crystal, of course, Jim was going for realism and so, Frank Oz got amazing practice with that. And Yoda, there's nothing really bouncy about Yoda's performance. And of, and of course, a number of the puppet builders went on to work on The Empire Strikes Back. And so mm -hmm. they got practice working with foam latex and, and things like that. And so it really, um, and animatronics. And so it really was a great, uh, that, that really was an R&D project for the Dark Crystal in a way. You know, George Lucas sort of, got to fund uh, an R&D project <laughs> our crystal yeah yeah in, in a weird way yeah absolutely yeah the fact that um you know, yeah that Yoda was sort of the first sort of testing grounds to see having a puppet that had to be very believable to audiences if, if they were to to pull that off and and sure and they surely did and I think that was you know great evidence that I, I think even more so 
to do the Dark Crystal as an all-puppet film. We're just going to do it like this, and yeah, and off they went. Yeah, and it also goes to show you the seriousness that Jim had towards this project. One of the things that people don't realize is how long you know it took to make this film. And, and of course, they weren't always in pre-production, but... You know, when Jim uh, partnered up with Brian Froud, it was almost like seven years. It was, you know, around seven years before the film ultimately was in theaters. I mean, it was a long time coming. You know, the, the germ of this idea predates The Muppet Show. Yeah, <laughs> it know? does. Yeah, it, it, it predates to, um, uh, to some of the work that Jim Henson did with Saturday Night Live with The Land of Gorch. And I mean, especially like, you know, from, I think, I think it was around in 76 that, Jim Henson sort of saw some of Brian's artwork and he's just like, I've had this little di- idea for a fantasy project and like to you, for you, for Brian to be in- involved in, in some way. And I, I guess like, I mean, that was the thing that I loved about the Dark Crystal, the ultimate visual history was um, the many, 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 many concepts, art pieces that are throughout the book. How did it all happen with writing the, the ultimate visual history? Ooh, that's a big question. I mean, <laughs> you know, writing the ultimate visual history was an experience that was, it could have been so overwhelming. It wasn't, but it could have been so overwhelming. I was provided with so much material from the Jim Henson Company, from, uh, they have a fantastic archives department, and I have to acknowledge Karen Falk over at, at the archives. It was, it was astonishing what they had, not just in terms of the artwork, but in terms of the memoranda. And Brian Allinger, who I, I know, I think you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, sorry, I said Brian. Brandon Allinger. Um, he, is, uh, he was an amazing resource as well. He had a lot. Brian J. Jones, who you mentioned earlier, is a great, great friend of mine. I've known him actually for several years before I was working on this book, and he was a great resource. And so... For me, what was really important was telling the complete story, starting back in 1976, all the way through today, and talking about some of the, I I know you just had J.M. Lee on the podcast, talking about J.M. Lee's prequel series, talking about the graphic novels, talking about, you know, I I wish I knew more about the Netflix series. I would talk more about the Netflix series. (laughs) I know, I think everyone wants to know a lot about the uh, the Netflix series. Uh, That's why I'm listening to the podcast all the time i'm waiting for you to get one of the writers from the the age of resistance on so. I, I know I'm, I'm i'm working on that one yeah <laughs> um but 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 it, it was so much material and so for me it was really important to say okay take a step back what what do fans of the dark crystal really want to know about and what is some information that isn't already available in the making of book that came out in 1982 um, or in, uh, you know, the world of Froud or isn't online. Um, Obviously, some of the information in the book is is from some of those sources. But one of the things that I think makes the ultimate visual history really special is I conducted a lot of interviews. I probably spoke to about 25 or 30 people who who were associated with the film. And, you know, after 35 years, there's a different level of reflection that people have on the process. Um, There are some stories that people were able to share in the book that perhaps they wouldn't have shared 35 years ago, or perhaps, you know, time has sort of made them look on the events of the past differently. And so I really wanted to make sure that anyone who buys the ultimate visual history gets an experience that that is is different for them, whether it's through the visuals or through the text. And, um, you know, I know super fans uh, sometimes feel like they know everything there is to know. And I really was, was Im- uh, it was important to me to sort of rise to the challenge and try and discover some things that people didn't necessarily know. Yeah. And I guess like one of the things that I sort of didn't really know a lot was sort of the very early sort of stories with the Dark Crystal, with the story of the film, um, especially the fact that, I mean, originally, I think in the original concepts or story outlines, that the death of the uh, mystic or the master was going to be a bit more dramatic than it was in, in the finished film. 
I think when he got struck down by lightning and um, and I mean like you know you, you had a chance to interview a lot of people who were involved on the Dark Crystal. W- was there anyone like in particular that that you wanted to interview? Um, I mean, of course, besides uh, Jim Henson, that you wanted to interview for the book that you weren't able to, or well, you know, it's 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 kind of a tough question. I really had kind of my pick of the litter. I mean, I have to be honest with you, and and it's. I feel a little bit like selfish and greedy saying that, but <laughs> everyone who worked on this film is so incredibly proud of it. And and look, that isn't to say that it is a perfect film. You know, I don't mm. I don't want to be controversial here, but there are very few perfect works of art. I don't know if there mm. are any perfect works of art, but everyone is incredibly proud of the way this film has held up. The way that it looks, the fact that it is the only, that Jim Henson is the only person who has ever been able to pull off this great experiment. And that after 35 years, people are still clamoring for the Dark Crystal. And that the French, and now it is, now it's a franchise. I mean, if you think about that, it's it's crazy, really, when you take a step back and think about it. It's a film that was made 35 years ago. It isn't, you know, it isn't Star Wars. It isn't, you know, a film that naturally has. You know, it was one film. It wasn't a series. And yet it has turned into this amazing franchise because they created such a rich world with such vivid, beautiful characters 35 years ago that you can continue to go back to Thra and tell these great stories. And and that's, I think, just, you know, it's it's something that I think everyone is really proud of and something that, you know, when I spoke with Jim Henson's kids they, you know, they really wish that their father could see the way that the Dark Crystal has been revered now. You know, he never, he never lived to see it. You know, it's yeah. really unfortunate, but, and, you know, and I don't, I, I know this is going to sound like really corny, but I, I really felt such an amazing responsibility when I was writing this book to get it right and and not get it right for me or get it right even for the fans, but I really felt a responsibility to get it right for Jim Henson and for Jim Henson's family and for everyone who worked on this film because they put 120% into the making of this film and I wanted to at least put 100% into the making of this yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, and, and you certainly did, yeah. I mean, just, just chatting about, um, yeah, even just with all the, the many hundreds, I feel like it was hundreds of um, concept art pieces from Brian Froud and, and lots of fantastic behind-the-scenes photography of the Dark Crystal and I guess, like, when you got started on on writing the book, The Ultimate Visual History, what was the one thing that you sort of wanted to uncover with the making of The Dark Crystal? Was there, like, a lingering question that you had in on, on, in your mind about that you wanted to discover? Yeah, actually. The, the thing that I really wanted to discover was why. You know, at the at the point in time that Jim Henson made this film, you know, The Great Muppet Caper is, is my favorite Muppet film. It, it was amazing to me that Jim had done the Muppet show, he had done the Muppet movie, he had done The Great Muppet Caper, and then out of complete left field, there's The Dark Crystal, which is completely different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's completely different. And even if you look at Labyrinth, Labyrinth has music, it has, you know, David Bowie, it has human characters. It's it's not, you know, it, it's like the cousin of the Dark Crystal, but it's it's a lot, it's like the, the cousin of the Dark Crystal and also the Muppets, you yes, know, it's like yeah. in between. But the Dark Crystal is so different from everything else that I knew and loved about Jim Henson. And I was just curious about what it was inside of him that made him want to do this film. And also I knew because I, you know, I, I had seen the film and I knew, known a little bit about it. And I'd read Brian's, uh, Brian's book that, you know, this was a hard film to get made. There were, there were financial troubles. It took a long time. And so I was just curious about why it was so important for Jim to tell this story and why did he, why was he so persistent? You know, I'm glad he was, you know, but what, what was sort of burning inside him to tell this story? And and that was really what what drove me. You know, I, I like to think that the the book is obviously it's a making of book, but it's also a little bit of like a biography of Jim Henson in terms of like this this seven year period of his life. You know, there's a, there's a little bit in the book about 
you know, him moving to London, a little bit in the book about, you know, the various projects he was juggling, a little bit about his family, a little bit about his relationship with the other puppeteers and puppet builders and, and writers and producers and obviously Frank Oz. And oh, there's a little bit of that in the book as well. And, and that really was was the most interesting thing to me. Yeah, I mean, just just the amount of work that just went into uh, throughout the making of the film. Um, yeah, over this um, seven year period. And yeah, I mean, you know, you think it'd be a very crazy time to actually, I mean, for Jim at that time to be working on these multiple pro projects with, I mean, not only with The Muppet Show, but also doing uh, the Muppet movie um, that was sort of in production while The Dark Crystal was happening in pre-production and doing all these tests with the um, uh, with the mystics and, and, and the Gelflings and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like a horrible multitasker. To think about all the projects that Jim Henson was juggling at this yeah. time <laughs> is insane. And even yeah. when, you know, when they were doing, um, you know, script rewrites in post-production on The Dark Crystal, he was working on Fraggle Rock. I mean, you know, there was literally like no reprieve. He was working all the time. And so it, it's crazy. It's just crazy. And I think that that, um, you know, that creativity... You know, Cheryl Henson told me that creativity is what, you know, he thrived on. And I really, um, you can see that, you know, he, there's just such a rich world that that's created in this film, especially when you consider all the other projects he was working on at the other time, including directing The Great Muppet Caper. I mean, he wasn't just working on it. He was directing it and starring in it. You know? Yes, yeah. Because, I mean, because for, for Jim, that was his uh, first feature film credit, you know, as director with the Muppet movie caper. I guess what was interesting with The Dark Crystal is that he brought Frank Oz on board to co-direct The Dark Crystal together, which is sort of a very rare thing, in, I guess, in the film industry of um, having uh, two directors. I mean, it's actually, it's you know, it was rare back then, but, I mean, these days it's sort of, um, there's actually quite a few films that are, you know, directed by two uh, directors. So, um, yeah, which I find that really um, interesting uh, about that. And I think it just points to Jim Henson's desire to get the best talent that he could and also, you know, his ability to work without ego. You know, you know, it would have been easy for him to say this film came from my imagination and, you know, I want to be the sole director on it. But, you know, he felt that Frank Oz had things to add, things to contribute obviously you know as as we discussed before frank worked on empire um he was a regular creative consultant and you know collaborator with jim and so jim really thought that he could help out with bringing out the um the emotional truth of the film and sort of making the puppet characters more relatable whereas jim felt that his strength was really more about shot composition and lighting and things like that. And so it was great. You know, they, they both kind of had different focuses and, you know, everyone that worked on the film said, while they didn't always agree on every single thing, they, uh, they did, you know, they made a better partnership than a lot of people expected. And I, I, I'm just trying to think, I mean, and even like, I know that was sort of one of the troubles with, um, you know, having uh, or trying to bring like more of the emotion to, um, especially with the Gelfling characters, with Jen and Kira. I know I think that was sort of, I mean, even even with, with uh, creating the Gelflings was sort of, uh, I believe, uh, you know, for Brian Farrell was the, one of the hardest creatures to, to design because not only do they have to be relatable, or have some human qualities to it, but, you know, they're not humans at the same time. They're, they're not elves, you know, they're not your traditional sort of fairy tale elves, but, but they need to be sort of, I think as Jim described it, it had to have some classical feel to it. Yeah, he was he was really um it was really important that the heroes of the film be heroic and sort of almost like a you know, you mentioned that that quote about having a classical feel and you know brian and, and wendy froud were were both kind of going crazy going well what does that mean like you know he keeps saying mm -hmm. classical feel what does that mean what does that mean <laughs> and um you know i think i think when you see the film and you see the way that they interpreted classical you you get it you know there's something about it that you know look when you when you look at brian froud's work there's something about brian froud's work that is so mesmerizing mm -hmm. you know when you look at an image it just it really draws you in and it, it tells a story in a frame you know every frame of a brian froud piece of art you know really um 
speaks to you. And I think the Gelflings really are great, a great compass to sort of navigate through this this film with. And in a lot of ways, I love the way that that Jen and Kira play off of each other. You know, um, yeah. you know, they both kind of have like wise guy moments, and and Kira is just so incredibly fearless. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, she's so great. You know, she's, um, I actually just watched the movie again, um, at the museum of the moving image in Astoria, New York, um, just, uh, last weekend or so. And, yeah. and it was, it was great to watch with an audience because, you know, most of the times I've seen the dark crystal, it's been at home by myself, but here, you know, the audience, you know, there's, there's humor in the movie, you know, sometimes people don't, don't realize there's humor in the movie, but people were were laughing at all the right parts, and you know a lot of the the funny lines are are brought by Agra and Kira, and so you know power to the the women on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just you know, all the characters are just um, they're just so fascinating, and I think like they they really um went into sort of creating these stories for these um characters and. And even sort of, you know, creating the world, having a story about the world itself. Uh, yeah, as part of the Dark Crystal. So, and, and of course, like with, with the book that, you know, it was, it's jam-packed with so much information about the Dark Crystal. Was there anything like that, um, you know, throughout writing the book that didn't make it to, to the final print that you would have liked to have, to have included? Had, have you had the chance, you know, of a, say you had, you know, unlimited amount of pages that you could uh, <laughs> to put in for the Dark Crystal Ultimate Visual History? Yeah, I think there there's always there are always things that get that get cut out and you know they um it hurts your your heart a little bit to lose things mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but you know I think what I would have liked to include a little bit more of in the book is I think a little bit more about the the perhaps the matte paintings. I actually had great conversations with the artists who who made the matte paintings. And um, it was so interesting. Like, it was really interesting to talk with them and to hear about their process and, and the, the process of making um, the matte paintings out of glass and, you know, the way that they sort of incorporated the live action plates into um, the matte plates. And I thought it was really good, you know, really good information. And it, it wasn't, you know, again, when you, when, you make, when you write a book, what's the most important, I think, is that you tell a story. You know, everyone who sits down to the ultimate visual history. Of course, I want for them to thumb through the pages and I want for them to, you know, ooh and ah at the images and the images are amazing. And so I hope that people do that. But I also want for people to sort of go on a journey. You know, I if, if I've done my job correctly, you really should read the book from beginning to end. You know, it's not the sort of thing where like you can open up to page 57 and you just sort of see like a bulleted list of fun facts, you know? So I I wanted to do that. And so at that point in the book, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it was hard to sort of justify spending like, you know, 10 pages to talk about matte paintings or something like that. But, but, it, but that, you know, I thought that was really interesting. I, I was fascinated by the fashion line. I love that. And Cheryl Henson would like to talk about, talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I said, we'd love to have, have her on uh, to chat about the dark crystal, uh, the, the collection of um, clothing, because yeah, that's something that, you know, I've always sort of been very interested in knowing more about, um, but there hasn't been a lot sort of, you know, I'm just more curious at just seeing all, all the other sort of clothing pieces um, that existed with the dark crystal clothing collection. And I have to say, that's one of the things that I'm really, um, you know, the things I'm really proud of in the book. I'm cl- proud about that, and I'm, you know, and also the sketches that we got. You know, those beautiful sketches, and they they look so beautiful in the book. Of, you know, the promotional sketches of the outfits for the collection are just so striking. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, when I, you know, obviously I have a copy of the book that I walk around with every day, and I show my friends and things. And and so yeah. when I when I show them, I make sure I show them those pages because they just look beautiful. And the other thing that I was really glad to sort of tell the story of in this book, and I, I think it's sort of an exclusive, is it was great to talk to ACH Smith, who wrote the novelization, because I just think the way, you know, his work process with Jim Henson and the way that he was hired to work on The Dark Crystal, I thought it was was fascinating, the novelization. And so I don't know how many making of books really 
sit down and, and take time to talk about the novelization of, of, of a film. But I, I think the novelization is such a great book. And so I was really interested to talk to him and he definitely did not disappoint. I really was, I loved that interview. Yeah, because I know, I think, uh, yeah, from my knowledge that, um, yeah, like he really worked closely with Jim Henson on on the uh, the novelization, which is a sort of a very rare feat. Normally the um, novelizations are sort of, they're just more of a tie-in to, to the movie and that's all there is, you know, there's not much thought to it. But um, I think with the with that novelization, um, yeah, you know, with having Jim Henson writing lots of notes to him for feedback and whatnot, it's... Um, Incredible. One more thing I want to mention, because I'm not, now I'm thinking about other things that I wish were in the book a little bit more. I, I wanted to have a little bit more about the computer game. You know, and Cheryl Henson was really, she loved, you know, Jim was so excited about the computer game because it was kind of new technology. And so, you know, The Dark Crystal was a film where they used so much new technology in terms of puppetry. And then they had this really innovative video game that was being released. And so it would have been great to talk to someone who worked on that computer game. But unfortunately, I couldn't find anyone. Um, yeah. So... But I, 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 that would have been a cool thing to have a little bit more in the book about too. And I think, uh, I think people can actually find that video game on darkcrystal.com. There's a the emulation of the game that for any of the the listeners out there that want to uh, check that out, I think that's the best way to get a chance to to play that video game. And I love playing. I've I've spent lots of time on darkcrystal.com, and I've played that game many times too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course, as as, as part of research. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, and just having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that too, yeah, especially, yeah. And I, I guess, you know, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about The Dark Crystal when you, you know, seeing it. Um, do, do you actually have, like, a who would be you, so your favorite character from, from The Dark Crystal? My favorite is Agra. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, I love Agra, and I love the way she plays it close to the vest. She she doesn't she always knows more than she lets on. And that to me I think is a great characteristic. It's so it's such a great trope of fantasy films, but it's also really great because there are so many characters in this film that have a different level of knowledge. You know, so few characters have the complete story and Agra has the complete story, but she doesn't let you know that she does. And she's just so funny. You know, she just is so witty. And, you know, some of some of my favorite lines in the film are her lines. You know, I, I love, you know, end, begin, you know, all the same. You know, I, I say that all the time. And I, I think I, I titled one of the chapters in the book that I, I love, you know, questions, questions, too many questions. Too many questions. You know, there's, just, <laughs> you know, there's just great, great lines that she has. And she's such an important part of the Dark Crystal world, obviously, because, you know, when, when the world of the Dark Crystal was written, it's Agra's book. And so, you know, that... Is, it just is a testament to her as a character. Yeah, I especially like um, love her. I I think one of my favorite quotes when you know she says you know, to to Jen, you know, where's your master? And Jen's mm-hmm. like, he, he's dead. And then he's and then she's like, oh, could be anywhere then. Uh, <laughs> which which I believe was yeah one of the sort of many things I think David O'Dell sort of credited you know based on you know his research with um, the writings. Uh, I think of um, Seth Speaks, which is like a very uh, spiritual book. And that line that you pointed out is actually Jim Henson's favorite exchange in the film, his favorite line in the film. And it actually is, um, it appeared in the first draft of the screenplay mm-hmm. and it, okay, yeah. it never left. It is, it's, that's an actual line that, um, that never changed from, from the film. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, that's so cool to, um, to hear of that. And I guess, you know, one of his um, favorite scenes would have to be, the Skeksis Banquet. Yes. Which, yeah, you know, just reading, you know, the stories from that and um, uh, was just, yeah, very fascinating. And, yeah, it just seemed like it was just one of those times where he just had so much fun just uh, filming that scene. Yeah, with the little crawlies. Everyone loved mm. the little crawlies that they made, you know, and uh, the $2 resolve, as Brian Froud called it. You know, they were trying to make this <laughs> great special effect with, you know, a track running down the table and these creatures that were going to run down them and they just couldn't figure it out and they were popping off. And, um, you know, and Brian Froud remembered these wind up toys um, yeah. and just <laughs> put them in feathers. And, you know, every, oh my goodness, let me tell you, so many 
people. I, I think I quoted like two people in the book, but mm -hmm. so many people that were on set told me about how they can still hear Jim laughing at that scene. Like <laughs> just, it was every single person said it. You know, they just it, they, like it was his favorite thing, and it was great because when they did um, Hardy, you know, the television uh, show after uh, yes, the yeah. release. You know, they were able to sort of go back to that that banquet table. So, you know, he sort of got another <laughs> an opportunity yeah. to sit there on camera with it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the fantastic sort of um, videos uh, sort of you know, with the making of the film. I think it was, it was I, I believe it probably would have been one of the only videos that um, that sort of exist where, you know, they did interviews with Jim and, and Frank and, and being able to sort of bring out these uh, puppets on stage. It's the only time, the yeah. only time ever, the only time they ever did it was. Oh, really? On, yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, they had, obviously they had puppets at the different exhibitions they had, but they weren't course, you know, they yeah. were being performed. But that was the only time. And I spoke with, I think it was Robbie Barnett, who said that for him, that was like the most important moment of working on The Dark Crystal was doing that hearty performance because Jim had worked so hard to mm. be able to to sell that these characters were real, that you could see it on screen and that it was a real world and they were real creatures that existed. And, you know, for them to actually bring these characters into the real world on a yeah. television show set and sort of be able to, to scare children <laughs> yeah. you know, with them, you know, he said that was just the coolest thing. It was like, like the actual making Thra real, you know, yeah. it actually happened on that day. Yeah, yeah, I I love the the end, you know, with the surprise of the the Gotham just crashing crashing onto the set and and just scaring those uh, kids. <laughs> Isn't that crazy! It's like the, those yeah. those kids look terrified, and I don't remember, I don't remember if I put this in the book. The kids that were there that day were act like the, there were lots of kids in the audience because they were like they were like children in need of some sort. I don't remember what kind okay. of heat they were in, but they were so, so those kids were like legitimately scared. They didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know what they were in for. They, yeah. were, they were there for some other purpose. And so uh, again, I don't think that that made the book, but it's sort of like a wacky, like <laughs> a yeah. wacky coincidence. And I wonder yeah. how many of those kids are, are still terrified to this day. <laughs> I, I know that, that, that's something I would love to like, be able to um, interview any, any of those kids. I'll send it. I'll put it out there. You know, if anyone who was <laughs> present at the um, the Hardy uh, taping of that episode that wants a chat on the, on Trial by Stone, uh, definitely send me an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and, want to hear uh, that episode. That's gonna be fun. Watching yeah. like an eighty an eighty pound Gartham come at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was just having a look at some of my um things that um that really surprised me when i read through the book and i think of course i sort of mentioned about the death of the mystic and, and sort of the original story concepts and how there was sort of you know the key that was to unlock the crystal that was in the cage which i thought that was uh yeah kind of interesting but for me like i guess uh having sort of background in, in sort of filmmaking in a way i'm always fascinated by the making of especially with the books and also with photography as well one of the amazing sort of behind the scenes photos that going through the book was actually um the cast of the crystal which I, I believe like that like that there was like this it was probably it was probably really classified as a bigature uh before um peter jackson from you know director lord of the rings sort of coined that term bigature but it seemed like that was the case with that um the cast of the crystal which would have been at least i don't know like four or five meters tall yeah it was a, a very tall model you know very tall miniature like you said a, you know a bigature and you know just the detail that went into it is is astonishing. I mean, it's astonishing. There's a great picture in the book, uh, and I, I know the picture that you're talking about. There's a great picture where you get a great size of the scale, and I think it was, I want to say it was 12. I'm not looking at it right now, so don't don't hold me to it. If I'm wrong, don't you know? Don't, <laughs> um, I think I think it was 12 feet tall. The uh, the model, and so one of the models. There were there were several models, but one of the models was I think 12 feet tall, and you mm. can see the perspective with someone standing next to it, and then it, it continues on many feet above the person's head. Um, yeah. it's it's great, and I you know it it reminds me of one of the things that I really love about the Dark Crystal. There are so few there are no digital effects there are no computer no. effects you know and i miss that so much about filmmaking you know this is a film where you can feel 
almost everything. You know, one of my favorite, um, you know, when I spoke with the person who, who did the, the special effects, what he was saying was like, you know, even like um, the, the podling getting his life juices sucked out, you know, of him. Yeah. You know, the it was such a low-tech resolve. They had syringes filled with milk that they mm. pumped into the eyes to change the colors of the eyes. And they had a vacuum. They, they you know, they created a skull for the podling. Mm. They had a vacuum uh, suck out air between the skull and, like, the foam latex skin. And yeah. it sort of created that effect of the skin cave, you know, the, the face caving in and the eyes filling up with that sort of hue. And it's so easy. And if you think about it now, it would be done in computers. It really yeah. forced people, it really forced the team to be more creative. And that's why I think, you know, The Dark Crystal is one of those films that will never be replicated. I know that's like, it's so, everyone always says like, it's a one of a, t a one of a kind film or one of a kind song or one of a kind album. But this really is a one of a kind film yeah. <laughs> because it was right at the perfect time where, um, you know, studios were making films with puppets and computers did not exist. And Jim Henson was at a point in his career where he could get the funding to make this film. And I just don't know when you would ever have a studio or a filmmaker, frankly, that would take the risk on a project like The Dark Crystal. So many fantasy films that come out now are films that are based on books or based on, you know, or are, you know, uh, continuous yeah, adapted, yeah. franchises or adaptations, right. You know, here you had a completely original story um, that that took a long time to make and a lot of money to make. You know, again, it's it's so unique. I don't I don't see that happening again. No, no. I, I mean, like, yeah, it's just a, such a rare, unique film. And um, I, I mean, I guess, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see um, how it all goes down with the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, what they're able to to replicate. And I mean, and even I guess you know with the advances of technology um, these days uh, compared to what they were able to pull through in um, you know back in the late '70s, early '80s uh, to make it all happen. So um, I'm very fascinated to see um, uh, so sort of um, uh, the improvements uh, with uh, puppetry technology, you know, for for this generation. Yeah, I'm really excited about Age of Resistance. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy who loves puppets. I love films like Gremlins and Little Shop of Horrors. And I, as you mentioned before, I wrote a book on Pee Wee's Playhouse. And I love it. I love it. There's just something, you know, I had an experience once of, um, I've met Carol Spinney and I've met Kevin Clash. And, you know, seeing them operate their puppets um, and Rick Lyon, who worked on Avenue Q, um, just these brilliant, brilliant puppeteers. And um, it's, I'm so excited about Age of Resistance just because I'm glad that they're doing it with puppets. You know, I can't, I mean, I know that you feel the same way. <laughs> I, can't, <Yeah. laughs> I, I can't express enough how excited it makes me. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, yeah. Even like, even if it's, even if it doesn't live up to my expectations, I don't want to say this. I mean, I hope it lives up to my expectations, but mm. even if it doesn't, like the fact that they're doing it with puppets and they're they're not relying on computers is tells me that it's going to live up to my expectations you know what i mean it tells yeah. me that they're going about this project the right way and it makes me so excited the dark crystal has a great future and um i mean certainly um you know with with the franchise really uh coming back in a big way and i think you sort of even mentioned in the book i think that 2012 was sort of the year that um the dark crystal sort of um officially became uh, a franchise um, with all these um, ads, you know, with these uh, more Dark Crystal stories um, that were started to come out with Legends of the Dark Crystal and I think the beginnings of um, the graphic novel series, The Dark Crystal Creation Myths. Yeah, and it's been amazing to see um, the way that The Dark Crystal has grown as a franchise and the way different creators have been able to sort of expand this world. You know, I, you know, I didn't really expand the world, of the dark crystal. I just sort of, you know, told of the world, of the dark crystal, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I, I'm fascinated by, by people like J.M. Lee who are able to take these characters and expand upon them. And I'm really glad that he's working on Age of Resistance, you know. Um, yeah, me too, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's cool. And it was great to talk to him. I spoke with... Um, I spoke with Kristen, who was the competition winner for the um, the fan film competition winner. It's great to see the way. It's just great the way to see the way that the Dark Crystal has inspired people, and also the way that the Jim Henson Company has cultivated the interests of fans and really sort of like you know paid attention to what fans are responding to, what fans mm. like. Um, what they want to see more of, you know, and, and they seem to really be, um, it's a really great relationship, I think, between the fans and the Jim Henson company. And um, you can see that by virtue of the fact that J.M. Lee is working on the Age of Resistance, you know? Um, you know, he's, he's a fan first who won a competition, um, has gone on to write several books and will continue to do so, and, and now he's working on a Netflix prequel series. And so... Um, it, from that a aspect, it's it's really great, and I I think that that's the best way to to continue to cultivate um, and and sort of um, develop a franchise. Yeah, I, I think because um, I, I sort of remember um, him uh, when I had the chance to speak to him in the previous episode, and he sort of mentioned about um, um more in regards to sort of you know incorporating all these different. Um, story elements uh from you know different dark crystal stories and incorporate them into um into his book song of the dark crystal and how you know he feels that uh just brings that value um to to the dark crystal um to sort of um incorporate many of these stories or you know with references and whatnot um and and i guess yeah really having um jm lee on board is um it was uh, fantastic to hear um, on his involvement on the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Yeah, and it's and it's not just you know I I, I want to say this also because I think it's kind of important you know the when I was you know when I was researching for the book as I mentioned I I knew Brian J Jones and there were so many questions that I had um, where you know at first I didn't want to bother Brian you know you know everyone's very busy and I'm very respectful of people's time um, but you know. The the Henson um, company really said, you know, well, you know, do you know Brian? Can you can you give him a call? And I said, actually, I do know him, and um, and it was great. It was great for me to see the way that they um, treated Brian as an authority on Jim Henson, and the way that you know, even though it's very early in the process with the Ultimate Visual History, um, the way that they've sort of you know treated me as an authority on the Dark Crystal and really been very inviting of our participation in the greater Jim Henson legacy. And so I'm, I really want to say thank you to them because I think um, it, you know, one thing that Jim Henson really did well on the dark crystal and in all of his projects is identify talent and identify people that have something to offer and, and keep them, um, you know, working with him you know obviously his his relationship with frank oz was a long-standing relationship you know obviously you know um you know not to not to go into you know the whole steve whitmire thing but obviously steve whitmire worked um with jim henson for and, and continued to do so for a very long time you know these are you know the the ties are very strong once you get in with with jim henson um and it's been great to see, um, as a writer of a book on the Dark Crystal, the way that they have so embraced me and the book and um, invited me into this this great Jim Henson family. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, yeah, th this book, um, yeah, I, I certainly, um, I really enjoyed uh, reading it. And I think I'm probably gonna have to read it again, just because I feel like there might be some things I sort of <laughs> missed out the first time um, to, to definitely. Um, so, uh, and I mean, like for all fans, it's, it's definitely uh, uh, worth uh, checking it out. And also, um, I might as well say, I mean, with this show, um, uh, th uh, big thanks to Inside Editions. Uh, we are actually going to um, give away a copy of oh, The Dark Crystal, sweet. The Ultimate Visual History. So, um, yeah, so, you know, big thanks to Inside Editions for making it happen.
the contest is only open to the North American uh, residents and um, and must be 13 and over. And basically, uh, to, to pretty much have a chance to win uh, the Dark Crystal Ultimate Visual History, all, I mean, there's, it's very simple. All you need to do is uh, share this episode of the podcast on Facebook. So when you're on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Dark Crystal Podcast, you'll see this latest episode uh, of the interview with, um, with with the author Cassian Gaines. And all you need to do is just um, share share the post uh, for a chance to win. Uh, if you want more chances, you can like the post and, and, and as well as um, uh, posting a comment about the episode for a total of three chances of, of winning the Dark Crystal Ultimate Visual History. So um, a big thanks to Inside Editions uh, for making it all happen. Yeah, I mean, Cassian, I mean, it was a fantastic book. And um, I can't wait to, uh, to see what you'll do next. Um, I mean, I certainly hope that um, there'll be another sort of book, maybe the ultimate visual history of the Age of Resistance. <laughs> Ooh, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. Let's do it. <laughs> I have to say one more thing, because I feel like we're wrapping up, and I just want to say this. I really love hearing from people. And I, I mean that sincerely. If you, you know, once you've listened to the podcast, if you're out there listening and you've read the ultimate visual history, please, please, please leave a comment, you know, leave a review on Amazon, leave a comment on the podcast. Um, you know, you can send me an email, you know, I'm, I'm easy to find. Please, I want to know how you enjoyed the book. I want to know what you um, have more questions about. I want to know what you found interesting, what's new that you learned. Um, it's so important to me because, you know, obviously when I was writing this book, I wrote this book for the fans. And so um, let let me know. Uh, let me know how you like it. I hope you do. Absolutely. And so I guess, um, we'll, you know, we'll wrap it up. So um, so how can people are able to uh, to find you? Sure. So I am on Facebook at Kasin Gaines. That's C-A-S-E-E-N-G-A-I-N-E-S. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Kasin Gaines. C-A-S-E-E-N-G-A-I-N-E-S. Um, so find me and talk to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And um, we'll definitely uh, leave those links in the show notes as well. So uh, Kasin, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. I really love the book. Um, probably after this, I'll probably want to get back into reading it all over again. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for your, for your time here on Trial by Stone. Thank you. I love being on. You already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry! At last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls! To the crystal and that's all the time I have for this month's Trial by Stone. Special thanks to Cassian Gaines for being on this month's show and very big thanks to Inside Editions on the release of The Dark Crystal, The Ultimate Visual History. As mentioned on the show, if you like a chance to win a copy of the book, all you need to do is share, like and comment on this episode post on Facebook for a chance to win. The contest is only open to residents of North America who are 13 years or over. Entries will close on midnight Eastern Time Zone on 10th of October 2017 and winner will be announced on 15th of October 2017 on our Facebook page. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast or follow us on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. We're also on Instagram as well at instagram.com forward slash dark crystal podcast thank you so much and come back next month for more trial by stone